0: Talk 1110 993 wbt Hour number two, the Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete of the show. And the phone number is 704 570 1110 800 wbt 1110 Thanks again to Congressman Dan Bishop. Um, I always enjoy our discussions. He's uh, I was telling Bernie during the producer during the break that uh, he is a he's one of he's one of the few elected officials that explores issues at a deeper level, goes into philosophy. And I don't know, you know, there are probably others I shouldn't say, you know, hashtag not all politicians. But it's one of the things I enjoy in our discussions is that he gets into the underlying fundamental roots of issues. And I always always enjoy the talk. So thanks again to uh, Congressman Bishop for hanging out for an hour with us. If you did not hear it, get the podcast at WBT.com and you can... Uh, Then listen to it as many times as you would like and hear what I heard, particularly the things that I said. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, so we mentioned at the end there we were talking about the election, uh, the primary election. And, of course, now the general election is underway, is underway. National Republican Senatorial Committee ad buys already coming in. They unveiled uh, their new ad targeting. Sherry Beasley here in North Carolina in the race for U.S. Senate. The ad is titled Victims, and uh, the GOP group is spending more than $1 million airing the ad, which highlights Beasley's record of going easy on violent criminals while failing to protect the victims of these heinous crimes, that according to the NRSC. The spot focuses on two opinions that Beasley authored as chief justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court, uh, one of which this is, by the way, a piece at Carolina Journal written by Mitch Kokai the other day, uh, State versus Robinson. This was a case from August 2020, so almost two years ago. Beasley wrote the majority opinion for a four three split on the state Supreme Court and The defendant was a fellow by the name of Marcus Raymond Robinson. He had been sentenced to death in 1994 in a murder connected to a robbery. The 17-year-old victim was murdered by Robinson, as found guilty by the jury, by a shotgun blast to the face. Now, 26 years later, Beasley and her uh, three Democrat colleagues vacated that death sentence they focused on a state law called the racial justice act and if you are new to north carolina yeah we had a we had a law called the racial justice act democrats put this law in place right before they lost control of the general assembly in 2010 well they lost the 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 well the law was prior to them losing it was a couple of years prior but they lost in 2010 in the dissent, Paul Newby, the court's only Republican, skewered Beasley's opinion. He quoted King Louis Sixteenth, who said, quote, it is legal because it is my will. But he said it in French, and I'm not going to, I'm not even going to try the French pronunciation. I won't do that to you. He said, today, four justices of this court adopt the same approach to the law, violating the norms of appellate review and disregarding or distorting precedent as necessary to reach their desired result. Apparently, in their view, the law is whatever they say it is. The majority decision ended up commuting Robinson's death sentence to life in prison. The other case that is mentioned in this ad by the NRSC is State versus White. This one goes back to May 2019, three months after Democratic Governor Roy Cooper put Beasley in into the chief justice role on the Supreme Court. In that case, the defendant confessed in writing to sexually molesting a seven-year-old girl, but his lawyers said his conviction should be thrown out. You know why? Because an indictment in the case failed to name, by name, the seven-year-old girl. The indictment just called her victim number one. And so they Yeah, so they, they they tossed that one out too. Because they called the seven year old victim of a sexual assault, they called her victim number one. Beasley wrote the majority in that one, it was a four-two majority. She wrote, quote, the state concedes that its intent was to conceal the identity of the child, an intent at odds with the purpose of the naming requirement. To provide notice of the essential elements of the crime charged to the accused. Thus, use of the phrase victim number one does not constitute naming the child. In the dissent, Michael Morgan, also a Democrat, he critiqued Beasley's uh, opinion. He called it a narrow and rigid interpretation of the applicable law. He went on to say, One, uh, one, he says that there was uh, two important rights. One was the criminal defendant's right to have sufficient notice of the charges lodged against him. The other is the state's laudable aim to protect the identity of a minor who is the alleged victim of a sex crime. Then there was another dissent written by Newby, the Republican, now the chief justice. He said that the indictment that listed the child victim as victim number one did not cause the defendant any harm. Quote, once again, a child victim must endure the emotional distress and indignities of another trial because of a purely legal technicality. It is this type of legal gamesmanship which leads to cynicism about whether justice prevails in our criminal justice system. So those are the two cases. Those are the two cases that the National Republican Senatorial Committee is focusing on uh, or the cases that they are focused on. There you go. And... um, The campaign ad does not mention another case where Beasley and Newby had uh, fought each other. Mitch Kokai writes this is about State v. Keller. This was a 5-2 to decision in uh, a dispute that finally ordered a new trial for a man who had been caught soliciting online for sex. The defendant thought he was soliciting a 15-year-old boy, but he was actually propositioning a police detective. Beasley and the state Supreme Court majority ruled that the defendant should have been able to present a defense of entrapment. He should have been able to do that. Newby dissented, saying, quote, the crucial event in the case is the moment that the defendant learned his prospective sexual partner was underage. Once he learned that fact, he did not end his pursuit. Instead, he continued his undertaking to the point of driving to pick up his young victim. His actions demonstrate his predisposition to pursue such an illegal sexual encounter. Here's the issue Beasley doesn't have any kind of a, a record that you can attack when it comes to legislative issues, policy issues. She's never been a lawmaker, but she's been a judge. And so that's where they're going to have to go in order to make attacks on her. Um, Not to mention the fact that she is using the campaign slogan of fighting to make North Carolina safe. So, yeah, you are opening the door for the Republicans to go find cases that don't make the public so safe. News Talk 1110 wbt So just went over the details of the ad that's gone up against Sherry Beasley, the Democratic candidate for U.S. Senate in North Carolina, former judge, um, Supreme Court Chief Justice as well. And um, I don't know, I guess I'm I i guess going to call this clean up on Isle Beasley. Uh, theassembly.com. Sorry, TheAssemblyNC.com. And uh, this is a piece by Jim Morrill, who used to work for the Charlotte Observer covering politics. And uh, he does this lengthy write-up. Headline, Sherry Beasley's record is on trial. A review of her appellate cases reveals a judge who is independent and hard to label. Lawyers who have appeared before her, as well as some former colleagues, describe her as... Thorough, fair, and even-handed. This may shock you, but Jim talked to a whole bunch of people that thought she was fantastic and uh, apparently was unable to locate anybody who thought otherwise. Um, I mentioned the earlier cases. Uh, There was the one uh, about the juveniles are not, after all, miniature adults. That was the the dissent. Let's see here. This was the JDB case. Um, that he starts off telling his Orange County, JDB's public defender, argued he was in custody when he confessed. And it would have triggered, that would have triggered his Miranda rights to remain silent. The trial judge disagreed. It went all the way up to the uh, state Supreme Court. And she wrote a dissent. She lost. But in 2011, the U.S. Supreme Court sided with Beasley when the Democrats had, this was 2011. Uh, Writing for the majority, Justice Sonia Sotomayor said a child's perception of custody is different than that of an adult, uh, which she said would be self-evident to anyone who was a child once himself, including any police officer or judge. In the week following George Floyd's murder in 2020, downtown Raleigh, like cities across the country, exploded with violence. Now, now, Jim. Hey, now, those were mostly peaceful riots. It was a mostly peaceful explosion of violence come now windows were shattered tear glass a tear gas clouded the air just down the street from the supreme court's building days after the killing beasley donned her robe and took her seat in the chamber for a rare news conference too many people or sorry too many people believe that there are two kinds of justice they believe uh this because that is their lived experience In our courts, African-Americans are more harshly treated, more severely punished, and more likely to be presumed guilty. Courts, she added, must openly acknowledge the disparities and work to eliminate them. Republicans quickly criticized her comments. They pounced, if you will. They seized, seized upon the comments. Dallas Woodhouse is then quoted. He was a former executive director of the state GOP. He wrote at the Carolina Journal, quote, in casting aspersions on the court system as a whole, The chief justice impugned the reputation of every judge, prosecutor, clerk, probation officer, magistrate and law enforcement officer who has dedicated their life to the cause of justice, as well as countless everyday citizens that honorably serve as jurors. More than a year later, an appellate judge invoked Beasley's comments in a case involving a black motorist from Iredell County who was charged with drug possession. The lawyer for the driver, charged with the drug possession, questioned whether bias had played a role in the initial traffic stop. And because Beasley said what she said, the lawyer quoted her. Appeals court judge Jefferson Griffin, a Republican, said the lawyer was suggesting that people, quote, are treated differently under our laws based on the color of their skin. And he wrote, I reject this argument. It's hard to blame the defendant for raising the argument, though. The brief quoted Beasley, who also implied that our justice system does not treat people equally in the courtroom based on the color of their skin. It also encourages and charges the courts to become uh, an active body by involving our judicial branch in policy decisions. The judiciary should at all times practice judicial restraint. Others say Beasley did exercise restraint. And who do they quote for this? Bob Orr. Bob Orr. I think Bob Orr, he has got to be in every single uh, North Carolina-based blogger's Rolodex or context file. Bob Orr, longtime Republican. Former Supreme Court Justice Bob Orr, I've interviewed him over the years, haven't talked to him in several years, though, but he left the Republican Party. He, he's the one or one of the people that has been trying to uh, and made it his you know effort, this effort to get Madison Cawthorn blocked from running for reelection. Um, that Bob Orr left the party. he's a never Trumper trashing them all so that Bob Orr he's like the go-to quote machine for when you need a Republican but you don't want to talk to those Republicans you know News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT Jim Morrill writing at the Assembly what's the website on this again TheAssemblyNC.com, talking about Sherry Beasley and how uh, that she has no legislative record. So, cause she's never held an elected position outside of a judicial post. So there isn't a lot to attack her on. You can't go after her votes on policies. She's not, you know, running around on the campaign trail, making a whole bunch of statements over the course of a long career at, you know, local and state level. So, All you've got is her races for judge where, let's be honest, not a lot of is not a lot of coverage. So there's not a lot of stuff that you have to say when you're out there on the campaign trail. So that leaves the rulings, her opinions. And so they went through and they read through their uh, her opinions and. uh, Former Republican, former Justice Bob Orr, who, as I said earlier, is the go to for any kind of you know, Republican viewpoint that's not really Republican because you don't want to talk to the icky Republicans. You talk to the ones that are, you know, he's one I could probably vote for, those kinds of Republicans, right? Um, I never saw her as much of an activist. I think she's a pretty conservative person individually and a pretty conservative person judicially. She certainly was no activist judge. And that's the quote. But Beasley is making... As a focal point of her campaign for U.S. Senate, the issue of safety, public safety, keep communities safe. I don't know if she's aware of this. She might not be. It is possible. But uh, is she aware she's a Democrat? All right. Because you may have look uh, that fights. If she's going to be willing to take on her own party on some of this stuff. I welcome that. But I've seen no indication that she has done so yet. I mentioned earlier the North Carolina Racial Justice Act. And again, if you are new to the state, you weren't here for this lovely fight that we got to have, courtesy of our former Democratic-controlled General Assembly, that allowed death row prisoners to serve life in prison under the Racial Justice Act if they could prove racial discrimination played a role in their trial. Now, at first, the way Jim Morrill Wright said, you would think, oh, OK, well, if I could prove that there was some sort of racism at the trial, I, I would think that would be important. Right. I mean, way more important than all of the facts of the case that were presented at the trial and all the jury deliberations and all of the years of appeals. Right. I mean, totally. If there was some bit of racial animus, some bias, some discrimination that put somebody on death row versus life in prison, or an acquittal even, right? We should definitely hear what that is. Well, the Racial Justice Act let them use statistics. Yeah. Let them use statistics. So they could say, in this particular state, people charged with a crime, if you were black or white, the statistical chance of me getting this sentence versus this other sentence was higher, and so therefore racism. And look at that, you're not going to be put to death any longer. This was 2009. So this was, you may not remember those days, I remember those days. The death penalty was being fought over all across the land. There were attempts to stop it. There was litigation, doctors refusing to participate in them. The Racial Justice Act, it's very much like the redistricting lawsuits. It used... Statistics. It used math in order to try to make an argument, and it made, ironically enough, it made the exact same argument every single time it was used, and it was repealed. When Republicans took over in 2013, they repealed it, but a year later, a trial court said that the repeal nullified earlier claims made under the Racial Justice Act. That case then goes to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court rules that this was the case of Ramseur, 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 anyway, Ramseur, the state Supreme Court ruled that he and other death row inmates who had filed for relief in court before the Racial Justice Act got repealed, that they could continue their cases. They could continue. The same day, the state's high court made a similar decision in the case of another death row inmate named Rayford Burke. Now, Sherry Beasley did not write the opinions, but she did vote with the majority. So they're kind of like her opinion. The decisions meant that more than 100 death row inmates could still challenge their sentences under the Racial Justice Act. By the way, kudos to Jim Morrill for at least pointing out that North Carolina has not executed anybody in, what, 2006 to 2022 now, 16 years, 16 years, because we have a de facto moratorium in place because of the lawsuits. Uh, Beasley wrote in another case two months later involving the Racial Justice Act that reimposing the death sentences after the repeal amounted to double jeopardy, which is a completely ridiculous argument. I'm sorry. I'm not a lawyer, not a judge, but that's that's ridiculous. You had a punishment that you were convicted under. You got sentenced to death. They then passed this law that said, "Hey, you can use algorithms to try to prove that everyone's a racist, and that then that's why you got the death penalty, not because you you know obliterated somebody's skull with a shotgun. No, not because you you know did something heinous and terrible. No, no, no. That's not why you got the death penalty. It's because the jury uh, was racist. And see this this math over here. The math shows that to be true." But then, no, no, we got rid of that rule. We're going to get rid of that law. So now that's not true anymore. You can't use the math. And so now Beasley's argument is that's double jeopardy. No, you were originally convicted under the death penalty. That was the law at the time. That's what you got convicted under. The Racial Justice Act comes along and now gives you this other avenue of appeal. But then that goes away. It's not a double jeopardy. It just it's a reversion back to the status quo ante. It's just what it was before. But that was her opinion. She cataloged the historical bias against African-Americans, including lynchings, Jim Crow laws, the exclusion of black North Carolinians from jury duty. No, but uh, sorry, Newby. Who was running against Beasley. He wrote the dissent that I quoted earlier. Right where he said that four justices adopt the same approach to the law as King Louis XVI once famously said, it is legal because it is my will. There was the other uh, case, State v. White, that uh, Jim Morrill mentions in his piece. Beasley said in that case, this is the guy who uh, uh, who got off because uh, they didn't identify the seven-year-old victim of his sexual assault Uh, They didn't identify her by by name in the indictment. They called her victim number one because she was seven years old. And Beasley said the statutory language is clear and unambiguous. It requires that the child be named. See, so in this case, letter of the law, it says you have to name the victim in the indictment. And because they didn't put the child's name in it to protect her, which is also state law, but they, they, they protected the kid. Technicality, you could call it. Following the letter of the law. See, this is the thing, though. Are you always following the letter of the law in all these other cases when you bring in, like, historical references, like I just mentioned? I mean, the, the people who undermine the credibility of and the trust in the courts are usually the people that are wearing the black robes. That's fine, young cannibals. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender Show, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And this is Paul. Welcome to the program. Hello, Paul. Hey, how you doing today? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Yeah, I was um, telling your uh, guy to answer the phone that, you know, I was just looking at the news coverage of these um maskers that's been going on these mass shootings yeah and um i listened to the republican party and they you know they're just strutting their rooster feathers about how they're protecting the unborn while just acting like cowards when it comes to protecting the born and 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 you know the american people see that no matter if you're a republican or democrat or independent dude hey paul hang on a second have you thought about shopping that uh, that contradiction shopping that to the Democratic Party at all. they could probably use that. Both parties could use a whole lot of these things. No 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 but, no I mean like from a from a marketing standpoint, man, I, you are the, like the first person I think I have ever heard juxtapose the abortion issue with mass shootings. Well, I'm uh, kidding. I'm kidding. Believe me, I'm not the Yeah, Thank no, you. No, I'm kidding, Paul. This is not a novel and, idea. And, and it's actually—no, it hang on, Paul, 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 Paul. This is not—it's not a new idea, and it's actually a really intellectually lazy and dishonest argument because there isn't any—there are no Republicans that want to see school shootings occur. There aren't. And there's no Republicans that want to stand up to the gun lobbyists. And that's a different question. Work. No, that's a different question. So what's your objective, Paul? Is your objective to stop the mass shootings at schools, or is your objective to take guns? What is it? Well, you, first and foremost, we have a Second Amendment. No, yeah. So no one's talking about taking guns. What is your objective? Smart. Listen. What, uh, what? It's a simple question, Paul. I don't have a lot of time, so I, I, I boil these things. I. Answer, but it's keep interrupting. I do interrupt because I hear you taking it into a different place. Do, is your objective to stop I, the school shootings? This is to the this is to the Republican Party. Why why can't you answer that? Why can't you answer that? I understand you just want to attack. Why can't you answer that? Oh, he look at the, he hung up. Paul. Let me get this straight. You call in here demanding that your political adversaries have courage, not be cowards, and you can't even answer the first question. That I offered to you. Which was what is your objective? Is it to prevent the school shootings? Or is it to take the guns? And then what did you do? You denied that it's about taking the guns. But you wouldn't say it's about protecting the schools. Those are your options man. Those are your options Paul. You hung up because you knew. You were done. That's what happened there. Walls closed in on you. The first question, one question, you couldn't even hack it, one question. You're going to call in and talk about people having courage and not being courageous and bowing down to the lobby and blah, blah, blah. If you are talking about the NRA after a school shooting, I know what your objective is. Your objective is gun control. Your objective is not securing the schools. Because if you're trying to secure the schools, there's a whole host of remedies that are available. But people mock them. We, we, can't, we can't harden this the targets here. My God, we're going to make the schools look like prisons. Oh, my God, they're going to look like a prison. All right, first off, schools already look like prisons. They've looked like prisons for decades now. My God, the communist aesthetic has like gripped the architectural world that has built up all these schools. They're terrible-looking buildings for the most part. Unless you go back really long ago, like if like you can find a school that's like 100 years old. Those things are beautiful. I mean, the mechanical systems in them are terrible, but they look fantastic. And then they went through that whole—North uh, Carolina apparently built like every single one of its government buildings during this time period in the 70s when all we were doing was mimicking the Soviet Union architectural styles. I don't understand why. Uh, So everything's like just these drab, box, concrete buildings, you know? But think about that. When I suggest, hey, the objective should be securing the school, and here's a way to do that, harden the target. And I said this yesterday. Did the whole show on it yesterday, actually. Um, If you are, or almost the whole show. um, If you're trying to, uh, anybody who has played a video game, it's called a base building video game, and I could name some for you but there are a whole bunch of these types of games. You've probably seen ads for them on your phone. You have to build a base. And then they send, you know, swarms of zombies or flying tomatoes or whatever. They, they try to infiltrate the base. And it is your mission to, when you're playing this game is to just put up all the barriers to direct them certain places so uh, you can prevent them from gaining entry to the base and then you lose. This is not new. It's not a new concept. It's been going on forever, literally forever, ever since people started attacking each other's bases and homes and cities. So, hey, why don't we secure the buildings? And what what's the response? I don't want it to look like a prison. Oh, okay. So you're saying aesthetics is more important than the kids' lives? That's how this game is played, right? Just to be clear, that's how you play the game? That you're saying that the aesthetic of the building takes priority over the lives of the children because you don't want your kid to be in a building that has security that might look like a prison. I disagree by the way that it would look like a prison at least any more than it currently does. But I think you could actually pay some attention to making the schools not feel look like a a prison. But here's the other thing. Even if it looks like a prison on the outside, it doesn't have to look like one on the inside guys. uh, This is what I mean. The, The, Reaction to this idea that I have seen is infantile, stupid, intellectually lazy, dishonest, bad faith. All of these terms, they all apply because it's not about securing the schools. See, when you don't understand the conclusion, reassess the assumption. And that's what I did to Paul. I made him state his fundamental assumptions, right? My assumption was that you want to save kids, you want to protect kids, limit the school shootings, right? No, no, no. Paul made it clear, his first priority, not about the kids, it's about the guns.